What I want to talk to you about tonight is what we're talking right now about is what it means to be a disciple. Uh, we're calling this series 24-7 because it's based on Exodus 24-7, the Asa Shema principle of the Bible, but also on Luke chapter 10 and Luke 17, where Jesus calls us to be disciples. Jesus more than once made the call to discipleship. And Jesus told us what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who has him as the Lord of their life. A disciple is someone whose goal in life is to be like Jesus. Uh, a disciple is somebody who, who loves in Jesus' name. We love like Jesus loves. We, we love one another with the love that Jesus has for them. And so that's what a disciple is. Now, Jesus said there are some musts. When it comes to being a disciple, this is review, but don't miss what he said. He said, if you want to be a disciple, you must deny yourself and put yourself second. Uh, you must die to self and die to all those things that aren't good in your life. And you must, you must follow and trust Jesus completely. Jesus said, you can't be my disciple if you don't do those things. A disciple must do those three things. Then later on, Jesus drove the point home more. And he said this, a disciple must love me more than anyone. A disciple must love me more than self. And a disciple must love me more than anything. So a disciple must love Jesus more than anyone, more than anything, and more than yourself. And uh, so that great call went out. But it's a call to the greatest life you could ever live. It's an all or nothing call, an all out call to the greatest life you could ever live, to a life that's so amazing and so incredible that we begin to experience what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, where it says there, for eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor is it ever did into the heart of a man, the imagination of a man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. A life beyond a description, a life beyond imagination, a life that good. And I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I'm not telling you like that I, I'm the greatest person ever. I can tell you this because God is perfect and God is the greatest ever. I'm living that life. And many people I know are. And God wants that life for you beyond description, beyond imagination. Jeremiah 33, 3 is one of my favorite verses. The Lord says to me, the Lord says to you, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you or show you great and mighty things you do not know. So this is the life of the great and mighty. This is a life of incredible things. And we're going to talk right now about how you can experience that more than ever. Because God made you to experience greatness. Please don't miss that. This isn't motivational speaking. This is scripture, baby. I'm preaching it right now. And so I want you to know that. This is not about motivating you. This is about allowing you to experience the truth that God has for you. The life that God has for you. So great and mighty life beyond description, beyond imagination. And it's a life where, by the way, you are made by God as a disciple. This is only for disciples. By the way, I promise you, it's only for disciples. But when you're a disciple, it's a life where you're lived to live a life that matters. 
Your life will matter. And that's where the great and mighty is found. That's where your destiny lies. That's what God wants to seize upon with you and for you. That's what he wants to reveal to you. And so when we start talking about what we're talking about, this is where discipleship begins to have this experience of a God, of the God, the one and only living God who couldn't love you more than he does. Now, if I'm going to live that life and you're going to live that life, there's a foundational principle we're going to go to that it has to do with how I live that life out. And it's a life of servanthood. Wow. See, we tend to life, uh, spend many times in our life trying to get more power, trying to get more prominence, trying to, to be noticed more. But none of that brings joy in the end. None of that really works out. So Jesus, Jesus came and lived the life to be an example. No, no, remember, so we would be like him. So I would be like him. So you would be like him. And it's a life of servanthood. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, but the greatest among you, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Think about that. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And he said, you could spot the one who's really got it, who's really getting it, who's really living it. Because they're a servant. They're a servant. Uh, Being a disciple means that I want to be like Jesus. We talked about that. And so in John chapter 13, uh, the disciples get together. And and this happened more than once. They started arguing over who's the greatest. Now, I think that is so wild. By the way, three years he's taught them this isn't the life to live. Three years they don't get it. He still loved them. He still said, man, I can't wait to have dinner with you, even though you guys are bickering a lot. And they get together and they start kind of fighting it out. Like, by the way, I want to say this like men do. Uh, we get men in a room and they, they fight joking. And then they fight not joking. Uh, it's just kind of what guys do. And, and, and Jesus in that moment, he did something Countercultural, believe it or not. We, we don't realize how this was so out of the box, so out of the realm of anything they had known before. They had never seen this. They'd never experienced it. He takes off his robe. He strips down. He ties up his loins so that he's now wearing the garments of a slave. And he begins to go around and wash their feet. Now remember, they, these are big men who wore sandals and walked dirty streets. And he goes over and starts to wash their feet, which typically you would have a slave do, so that when they gathered for the meal, they would be clean. And uh, he shocks them. It goes silent. It goes silent. And in John 13, verse 12, it says, So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, and I I want you to not miss this, Do you know what I have done to you? Do you get it? Did you notice? Does it make sense? Do you know? And, And do you and I know? I want to ask you, do you know what this means? And Jesus said this, he goes, You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one sent greater than the one who sent him. And look at, I want you to look right there on the screen. Don't miss it. I underlined it here. 
if you know these things, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. It's not just a knowing. Knowing's important. But knowing comes up short without the doing. The greatest life, the amazing life, is for you to say, Lord, I am going to be a servant. I'm going to understand I am blessed. The great blessing comes when you serve, when you serve. And by the way, then you get blessed. And if you haven't caught it, you already know where I'm going. Crossroads family, you know where I'm going. If you're visiting, get ready. You need to lock this in. When you get blessed by God, you're blessed to be a what? Now, write it in the chat. Put it on there. Don't miss it. You're blessed to be a what? You're blessed. You know what? There's not enough people putting it on. Take some time. Put it in there. You're blessed to be a blessing. And then guess what? When you're blessed to be a blessing and you bless others, you get more blessed. And you start a cycle of blessing in your life. This is the greatest life you could ever live. This is where the great and mighty occurs. This is where things happen beyond description and beyond imagination. And it's for you. And right now, it's more needed than ever. Right now, it's more needed than ever. Uh, Jesus uh, teaching disciples to be disciples. Told a parable, which we call the parable of the talents, which I think is so interesting because back then when they used the word talent, everybody knew it meant money. It was how you use the money or resources you were given. Uh, today for us, a talent is what? It's a, it's a gift. Uh, it, it's an ability. Uh, you, we say someone's talented uh, when they can do something exceptional. And I think both apply today. I think the Lord obviously knew this would come. So it's how we use anything God has given to us, any resources we have with, with the talent and the gifts and the abilities that God has given to us. And so he talks about, he talks about who uses it right and who uses it wrong. And disciples know that God has given them a spiritual gift. God has given you a Holy Spirit-given gift, a Holy Spirit-driven gift, a gift that's from God to you to make the difference in the life to others. That's the life of the disciple. And in Luke 19, 17, it says, And Jesus said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority over ten cities. Did you get that? We talked last week about the little thing, that he was faithful in little, is faithful in much. And, and, and this, by the way, might at first seem like a little thing, but it, it's really, it, it turns into something big. So why, why does he call it the little thing? It's because when God gives you anything, it's the little thing, it's the easy thing to take it and use it to the glory of God. Uh, we saw last week, that's true of money. When God gives you money and you tithe back, it's the little thing uh, because you're doing something to the glory of God. When God gives me a spiritual gift, he's given me not only the gift, but the ability now to do something beyond myself. It's not me doing it all the way. It's me in partnership with God. By the way, the good news is God wants you to be in partnership, not alone and not a robot, but it's you taking that gift and going out and Changing one or two or five or ten or a multitude of people's lives. By the way, one-on-one -on -one, uh, is just as important as one on a million. Uh, I, I don't want you to miss that. So, so what is the gift God gave you? And he said, okay, now that I gave it to you, it's just, 
something you ought to do. It's the little thing. He said, but you're blessed. He said to the slave, he said, if you've been faithful in this, you're going to get more. You're going to get more. You're going to get more. And see, here's the thing that God does. When you and I are faithful, then he gives us more. And when you're more faithful, he gives you more. And you get more and more and more. By the way, I'm not talking about more money. Uh, By the way, God could do that. And if he does, we love you. (laughs) If he doesn't, we still love you. (laughs) But here's what I'm serious. It's about, you know what? When you go out and use the gift you have, then it creates a greater effect, a greater effect, a greater effect. And by the way, this makes sense, doesn't it? Tell me if this doesn't make sense. You get better at it. You get better at it. We have some very gifted speakers on our staff. These people are communicators that God gave them the gift to communicate. And the more we have them do what they've been gifted to do, the more that we train them in using their gift, the the more incredible they become. And by the way, right now, man, we have some amazing, amazing people, men and women, by the way, who are very, very gifted. Uh, We have people who are gifted in, uh, there's actually a spiritual gift of serving. Uh, that, 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 it's an awesome gift. And we have people who are so amazing at using that gift. We have people who have the gift of leadership that are using that gift to impact lives. We have people, boy, this is a big one today. They have the gift of mercy. Um, by the way, just because you don't have the spiritual gift of mercy doesn't let you off. <laughs> but people today, there's some hurting people out there who need people Someone with the gift of mercy comes and they get alongside them. If they're down on their knees and can't seem to get up, they kneel down with them and they rise together. And uh, some of you got that gift, man, and we need you right now. Don't hold back. We need you. Uh, So whatever gift you have, he says, I want you to use that gift. And so what we need to understand is this, is that it may be a little thing, but it never stays a little thing when it's put in the hands of God. So one of my favorite verses, this is go underline in your Bible verse. Uh, Zechariah chapter four, verse 10 says, for who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Uh, This guy, Zerubbabel, what a cool name. (laughs) Tracy, I've been praying for your husband. When you get married, I hope your firstborn son is named Chuck, not Zerubbabel. But anyway, uh, Zerubbabel is still a cool name. Uh, But here's the thing. It says, he looked at this guy, Zerubbabel, and everybody said what you're doing doesn't matter except God. And God said, these are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. The seven things, the seven moments, uh, God, God's seven eyes are watching. It actually is an illustration of the Holy Spirit's watching. The Holy Spirit's not missing. And so what the Lord said is, you know, some of you guys are looking at what he's doing and you're saying, does it matter? And he goes, but you're doing it for me. It matters. Um, I, I have Pam and I have friends and, and Grant and Kathy and, and I love them. Matter of fact, I'm not so sure they wouldn't be watching. And, and they agreed uh, one time to just fill communion trays at the church we were at. Um, some people would say that's a little thing, uh, but it wasn't. And a young couple who got engaged uh, wanted to come and fill communion trays with them. Uh, they just wanted to do something in the church and the friendship formed And this couple, with an amazing marriage, got to pour into another couple who was just beginning on that journey. 
That's not a little thing. It was huge. It was eternal. It was amazing because they could just use their gift. Uh, I want you to not miss that. To not miss the what you do in the moment, that little thing you tend to do. Uh, God says, you put it in my hands and it's going to turn big. You know why? You only have five loaf and two fishes, but with the hands of Jesus, you can feed 5,000. But you got to put it in his hands. you got to use it. you got to give it. And so the Lord wants you and I to be that way. God wants you and I to do it. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart are completely his. If you, uh, you have acted foolishly in this, he said, indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Now, you might say, Chick, wait a minute, I don't get that. So let me tell you what's happening. There was a king named Azza, and, and he's facing a very tough period of time. And a prophet comes and says to him, don't you realize God's eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth? The seven eyes of the Lord is the all-knowing seeing of God. And that's what saw, they saw Zerubbabel being faithful. And they said, Azza, we don't see you being faithful. But if you are faithful, God will spot you. God won't miss it. And he's going to support you. He goes, but you're, you're being a fool. You're being a fool because right now, because you won't allow God to move, you won't do that little faithful thing. You won't live out what God's calling is in your life. You are going to have a very difficult and hard life. Let me say this. Here's the, the first part of that verse. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Hey, it's about heart. It's about love. Is it about perfection? No, but I would say this, it's about passion. Are you passionate for the things of God? Are you hunger and thirsting for righteousness? Are, are you committed out of a love for Jesus to say, whatever you want me to do, I'll wash feet. I'll set up communion trays. I'll hold the door. David said, I want to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. I'll hold the door for people. I'll share your name. I'll share your story. I'll share your faith. I'll show mercy and love and compassion to those who are hurting and in pain. I'll love my enemy. And I'm going to take the spiritual gift you've given me and use it in the church. And use it in the church. By the way, that's where the spiritual gift is meant to be used. In the church. And that has a ripple effect into the world. So you and I need to do that. You and I need to be a part of, of making that happen. And so that's what we need to understand. And so here's the bummer about this. Is that Asa, King Asa, he didn't do it. And his life was hard. And, and, and many other people suffered because of it. I was thinking about this right now because here's what I don't want you to miss. When you use your gift the way God wants you to, being a disciple, you will always affect those around you in a more positive way. When you don't use the gift, not only do you miss out, they miss out. In other words, I want to be as clear as I can. You are hurting other people because you are made for more. You're hurting other people because you're made for more. There are children right now who need to be loved on and cared for and taught because you're given the spiritual gift to do it. When you don't do it, don't think someone else is coming in your place. Uh, when you're not using the gifts God's given you to be the father you should be, the husband you should be, the friend you should be. 
then you know what? You're making other people miss out. Uh, when you're unfaithful at your job, what occurs then is you don't get the promotion. So not only do you miss out, but anybody else depending on you doesn't miss, misses out. And if you lose your job, then your family suffers and your friends suffer. Why? Because you're not being faithful. So when you're faithful, you get blessed. When you're unfaithful, not only do you suffer, other people suffer. And your future suffers. That's the other thing that hit me. Think about this. Your future suffers uh, because you haven't been faithful. If you're not faithful at your job, your future at your job suffers. And what will occur in the next job? Uh, when you're unfaithful to your spouse or the person you're dating. I uh, want to say a lot of people who are watching are single. And uh, I know that this, this season's harder to be single than any other, okay? I get it. I get it. But when you finally found a person that you think this could be the one, I could live my life with them, and they cheat on you, they've robbed you of a very potential future, and they've robbed themselves of it. When you're married, you rob your spouse of it. And your kids suffer. When divorce happens, almost always in this country, not always, but in the vast majority of cases, children suffer economically. More than either parent, by the way. So what are we doing? When we could experience the great, the mighty, the life beyond description. When we could be faithful to God and have his support. When we could find him blessing us so we'd be blessed to be a blessing. And by the way, part of me being a disciple is when I get blessed, I'm blessed to be a blessing. So if I'm not doing the next one, then somebody else misses out. But when I do it, then they get blessed. But the Bible says I get more blessed because it's more blessed to what? By the way, I've got the chat open. It's more blessed. What is it? What is it? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So what I want to call you to is that. I want to call you to being a difference maker. I want to call you to the great life where God lifts you up and, and brings you and shows you great and mighty things you do not know. Tells you great and mighty things you do not know. Which brings us to a passage of Scripture. We're going to read the whole, most of the, the whole passage, so get ready. Matthew chapter 25. Now, in Matthew 24, Jesus gives signs of his coming. In Matthew 25, he tells what kind of person you ought to be during that time. Now, everybody should always be that way, but we're in the last days. Don't miss that. We're in the last days. And uh, the Lord wants you and I to live out what he's saying here. This is the last days passage. So he says, it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his slaves and entrusted his possessions to him. What he's saying is, I'm going to heaven and I'm entrusting you and my church with my church and with the gifts I've given you to make my church the church. So he goes to each one, he gave uh, uh, five talents. To another, he gave two talents. To another, he gave one talent, each according to his own ability. By the way, I don't want you to miss that. He's giving it to you according to the ability he knows you have to use it. It's not that you don't have the ability. That's not the case. By the way, that is not the case. So you can take the gift he's given you and make a very real difference, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. The Lord went up into heaven is what he's saying. And he goes, immediately, the one who had received the five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more. He went out and doubled it. He went out and did something great with it. And uh, it says this, in the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. 
But he would receive one talent, went away, and dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. In other words, the Lord came back. That's what he's saying. This is a story of when I return, and I'm going to hold you accountable for the gift I gave you, or the gifts I've given you, or the resources you've been entrusted with. And so it says, though, after a long time, the master came of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents, so I have gained five more talents. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You who are faithful in a few things, I have put you in charge of many things. Look, look at that phrase. I, yeah, I underlined it. I want to make sure. It's underlined. It's underlined. See it right there? Enter into what? the joy of your master. And by the way, the joy of the Lord's your strength. Enter into joy. Enter into joy. Verse 22. Also, the one who had received two talents came up and said to the master, Master, you entrusted me uh, two talents to me, so I have gained two more talents. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I have put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and I went away and I hid my talent in the ground. See, I have it. I have what is yours. In other words, I did nothing with it. This master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You wicked. By the way, what would you call being wicked? This is one of the wicked moments. When you don't use your spiritual gift, you're wicked. When you're not serving in the church, you're wicked. Now, some of you, I'm going to pause right now, are going, well, Pastor Chuck, what can I do, especially in this season? We'll help you. I mean, there's a place for you to serve here at Crossroads. No matter where you live in the world, there's a place for you. There's a difference you can make. Remember I told you we're strategizing what to do to help children beyond our, our geographical area? You could do it. Or adopt a block and help the under-resourced or disabilities or you could do it. <laughs> and God gave you the ability and God gave you the gift. But when you don't use it, he said you're wicked. So you can't say we won't help you if you haven't let us try to help you. The Lord said, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. This is the abundant life, by the way. But from the one who does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. Throw out that worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what I'm calling you to is this. I don't want you to be worthless. And you're only worthless when you don't use the gifts God's given you and live the life God has for you. I want you to understand how worthy you are, how special you are, how much you matter, how gifted you are. That's what I want you to not miss. That's what gets me so excited because I believe right now in you. God believes in you more. He wants so much for you. And so he's given you these gifts. He's given you these resources. And when you give them to him and use them to serve him and others and invest in the kingdom of God, the life of abundance happens. 
And what does the Lord do? He says, he goes, you know what? When you're faithful and you're faithful in what I've given you, I'll give you more and I'll give you more and I'll give you more. And it gets better and better and better and better. Let me call you to this. I want to call you to the better life, the better life, the way better life. And, and so the Lord has that for you. But what you've got to do is you've got to enter into the joy of your master and you've got to be faithful in what he's given you. It may seem like a little thing. Um, there's a pastor that I, I just really love. His name's Ed Young Jr. His father is a pastor too, Ed Young Sr. And Ed Young Sr. is the pastor of Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And when Ed Young Jr. was growing up, his father one day said, I, I want to give you a present. He said, it's a, it's a book I love. It's just a book. It's, a, it's not even that many pages. It's called The Raven. It's the story of Sam Houston. He said, Ed, I, I want you to read the book. And then when you read it, we'll, we'll talk about it. So he gave him the book, and, and Ed took it, and he put it in his room and didn't touch it. He didn't read the book. Um, about a week later, Ed came and said, Dad, you know what? I really feel like I'm in a place right now in my life. I need a new car, and I just need a car. He didn't even have a car. I need a car. And his dad said, well, you know, son, that might be something we could do for you. Uh, but have you read the book? And he, he said, Dad, I, I, no, I haven't yet. And can we talk about the car? And he goes, well, read the book. And Ed said he was kind of dense. He wasn't thinking in that moment. So what happened is uh, about a month goes by, he hasn't read the book. And uh, his dad said, have you read the book? He said, no. He goes, okay. Another month goes by, and Ed comes back to his dad. I said, I really need a car, Dad. It would make your life so much better. You wouldn't have to drive me to school. Mom wouldn't have to drive me to school. I, I could help around the house better by getting stuff for you. I really think I need a car. And his dad looked him right in the eye said, have you, Ed, have you read that book I gave you? And uh, Ed said, no. This went on month after month after month until finally his dad said, look, don't talk to me about the car again until you've read the book. And Ed thought, okay. And so he goes and gets the book. He starts reading it, reading it, reading it. He gets right to where the last chapter is. And on the blank page before the last chapter begins, it says, Ed, it's a handwritten note. It said, Ed, your mom and I are so proud of you. And what we wanted to do is instill great things in you and we see them. So we want you to know because we love you so much and we're so proud of you, we've bought you a brand new car. Come and get, come to me and I'm going to make sure it's yours. And he jumps up and comes running down the stairs and goes to his dad. I get a car. I get a car. And his dad said, yeah. He said, I want you to know Bob, my friend, has had that car at his house all these months waiting for you to come get it. And all you had to do, Ed, was read the book and, and take action on it. Let me say this to you. There's a father of yours in heaven. And he's saying, did you read the book? Did you read the book? And did you take it to heart? Because there's so much for you here. There's so much for you here. And the Lord wants you to experience that, and the Lord wants you to have it. So let me say this to you. Read the Bible, and whatever it tells you to do, do. And one of the things it's going to tell you to do is this. Serve me. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the servant of all. By the way, let me say this. You know you're a servant because you're serving. <laughs> okay, that's like too easy. Uh, but it's true. So who are you serving? Whose life are you making a difference in? Who are you humbling yourself in a way that you can give to them and make their life better? What's your spiritual gift? 
By the way, if you don't know, guess what? We, we'll, we'll help you find out. I can guarantee you we can help you find out what your spiritual gift is. I guarantee that. You just go to CrossroadsChurch.Family and click on Next Step, right? Yeah, and, and it's there for you, and we'll get you going. And we'll work with you, because we are for you. And you matter. See, I don't know where you are right now, because geography doesn't define family. But I will tell you this, that if we're family together, and I want you to be a part of the Crossroads family, we love you, we care about you, and we want you to live out your destiny. Right now, your life may be a mess. And you know what? We love you, we care about you, and we want you to live out your destiny. Right now, you may have done some things you never thought you'd do, and you're ashamed. We don't want that shame to be upon you and define you. We're for you. Because God's for you. Uh, you may have been hurt badly by somebody. Don't let what they did, whether it's in the present right now or in the past, don't let what they did determine the outcome of your life. Don't let that power be there anymore. Choose to come to Jesus. If you've messed up, choose to come to Jesus. If you're in bondage to something, choose to come and get free in Jesus. If your life is just okay, by the way, I can tell you this. The last thing I want for you is to have an okay life because that's not the life that's great. It's not the life that's mighty. It's not the life that's beyond description and beyond imagination. So if you say, well, my life's not bad, but it's okay. Guess what? That's not enough. Come to Jesus. And I'm going to say this. If you're a Christian and your life's okay, recommit. If you're a Christian and your life's a mess, recommit. If you're watching as a married couple and your marriage is a mess, recommit. And, and find your marriage being healed and your family being whole. Uh, if you're somebody right now who's lonely, man, come to the Lord and come to us. This is your moment. So right now I'm going to do something I love getting to do, and I, I value this. I get to pray with you. And if you want to either commit or recommit your life to Christ, I want to pray with you. But I want you to do this. You God has let us know you're doing it. I don't want you to do it alone. And I definitely don't want you to be anonymous because you matter. Your name matters. Uh, who you are matters. So I want us to pray this prayer together, whether you either commit or recommit your life to Christ. Then I want you to go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I made a decision. And then let us know who you are. And let us begin to come alongside you. I know in this virtual world. And, and guide you to the next place to be that God has for you. But right now I'm going to lead a prayer. And I'm praying you're going to say it and mean it. That I pray, I pray, actually I've been praying that you'll let us know by going to crossroadschurch.family and, and clicking on I made a decision. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to understand that they were made for more. They were made for so much. They were made to make a difference, that they have a destiny. You have a plan for their life. And there's nothing they can do to keep that from occurring except not come to you. So right now, Lord, I'm sensing there's some people who need to make this call. They need to make this prayer. You've, you've said in your word, Lord, call in the name of the Lord and be saved. They need to be saved, and they need this to be their moment. I pray for them. I pray for them whether they're alone or whether they're a couple or whether they're friends or even family. I pray they're going to do it. 
I pray that somebody who's with their mom is going to turn to their mom and say, I'm going to do this. I really, I pray that so tears of joy are going to come. She's been waiting for him. And you've been waiting for him too, Lord. I pray for couples that need to get their lives to where they could be. I, I pray for some people out there who are single and, and they felt like maybe they're not lovable or something's not special about them and it's not true. I pray for people who need to pray this because, Lord, they're, they're, they're struggling with addiction and this season's gotten worse. Is that you? Is, maybe I didn't even name you, but God knows you. So right now, are you ready? Let's pray this prayer together. Let's say yes to him or, or yes again to him. Or help me. Say help me to him. He will. And pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. And I pray you'll forgive me. And I pray you'll cleanse me. And I pray, Lord, there will be no guilt and no shame any longer. But I pray I'll be new. I pray I'll be alive. And I pray I'll be yours. I want to be yours. So take me now. Lord, take me. Pour your love into me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me yours completely. For this I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I could not be more excited for you. So right now, right now, find a way to go to crossroadschurch.family and let us know. Uh, because we want that for you. Because you do matter. You do matter to God. And may you know that. May God remind you of that this week. May his pleasure be upon you. May his voice be clearly within you. And may he show you what you're made for. God bless you and have a great, great week.